And then can you all put your hands together for Jesus? Come on. Would you all now just take some time to greet uh, each other right now and just say what's up. Tell somebody you're glad to see them here today. It's good to be back with y'all. I was a little sick last week, so let's shake some hands and just welcome everybody here today. Good to see everybody here Tuesday at 7. God is moving and doing great things here. I'm your na uh, local neighborhood pastor, Pastor Joe, just an average Joe. Come on, <laughs> serving Jesus. Thank you, my brother. Let there be light. Uh, last week, man, I got sick. I don't want to gross anybody out, but, man, I was on the way here. And I don't know if you've ever been sick like this before, but I could feel the puke beginning to come. And out of pride, I was like, I'm not going to miss. I'm not going to miss. Because I have not missed a service in seven years of church, uh, seven years of church being here in Chicago. No Sunday, no Wednesday. Now, I've been absent, you know, vacations and so forth, but never out of sickness. And so that's kind of been my boast. But uh, literally on the highway, it was coming up. I couldn't hold it. I was either going to puke in my car or puke on the side of the road. So I finally uh, just turned around and held it. And literally, my wife's like, what's going on? So I came upstairs and many, many times. Are you better for knowing that, or are you worse for knowing that? <laughs> I guess that's the question now. <laughs> like, I could have just told you I was sick, you know what I mean? But I'm sorry. But, uh, but while I was facing that time of sickness, God spoke to me about some things, and we can just bring in the whole team right now and just hold off on the offering for a little bit. I want to share with you uh, some of the things that I feel we need to do here at Metro Praise. Uh, you know, you guys, like, I'm looking around. Uh, we're doing good, everybody. I was hoping would be here, uh, is here, except for maybe a few, maybe they'll come in just a little bit. Uh, basically, we started this in September, and uh, we had a lot of ambitions and hopes of what we wanted this to be. Uh, some of those hopes didn't come to pass. You know, we wanted a lot more people to be coming so we could sustain uh, some, some things here, you know, like this location. And uh, it's basically come down to the wire now. Uh, they're going to be using our deposit uh, for December to to pay for December's rent, okay? And so uh, as I was praying about some things to do, I feel like I got two, two very important things that uh, I want to share with you that I believe we need to do. The first thing is just to take it out of everybody's mind. Metro Praise Wicker Park is staying. We are remaining. We're not going anywhere. 
it is going to remain until Jesus comes back. Yeah. Amen. Uh, if, if we quit, shut it down, it is out of our dead, uh, dead cold, cold hands. Okay? Uh, we're, we're not letting it go. But what we do need to do is adjust some things. We are occupying a space that is meant for a whole lot more people. And so one of the first things that uh, I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to watch a video. It's going to talk about tithing. And then we're going to anonymously, you're not going to sign your name on it, but we need to get an idea of what we can expect to come from this group that we have uh, so that we can come today and negotiate with them and they can say, we'll either take it, yes or no. And then if we need to move them for the month of December, we can either use another church, you know, a lot of churches are struggling right now. We can ask them if we can take over a Tuesday or maybe a cafe that shuts down early because the business is here. Maybe they'll stay open until 9 and, you know, we can give them that money and that will be a help to them. So there's a lot of creative things we can do from this point forward to have a meeting place. You know, one of the options would be to take them into a house like the life group, but I think we would lose momentum and uh, lose out on what, what God is trying to have us do. So I'm going to play this uh, pretty cool video. I think you guys are going to laugh and uh, find it humorous, so get ready to chuckle. And then I will talk to you guys a little bit about, uh, about some things that I think uh, that we need to do on top of this. But I think this is a good video that will help us uh, figure out where our heart is, where our heart is at. Chris, can you do this for me, please? It's hard to talk and do that. Those tricks and fell over. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes I make it look so easy. Other times I make it look so hard. Okay, it's hard because we're doing it backwards. Is that is that what it is? Okay, let's give it up for Chris. He helped us out. Okay, thank you, Chris. Well, let's watch this video and laugh a whole lot. I give to God by enjoying what He has given me. Okay, I mean, do you really think He expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that, and the deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Ha has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your door and me taken a W-A-L-K, huh? What if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make, that the return would be mind-boggling? And it, 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 it's promised, it's guaranteed. I know what you're saying, there's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10. So it says in the Old Testament, it says, test me, give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this. I give this, he gives that. I give this, he gives that. I give this. <laughs> I'm right up there. He keeps giving. I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. I tithe. But just not like in the form of a 10% check, per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts, I buy some. Boom, that's a tie. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts, and I have the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom, that's another tie. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we can take our spouse out for an evening. 
and they were charging $25 for child care, boom shakalaka time. <laughs> I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear. That, my friends, a time. I, I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would consider giving something. But not, now it's crazy. We're, we're, we're going to give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road, we'll be crazy givers. But right now, it's just crazy. Yeah, I have money, that's a fact. But you know what? It's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something. If you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on, you want it? Ah, come on, pastor, do what I say, huh? Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> in my life, Lord. Be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Look what I have here. Four dozen interfere. Everyone can hear how I give with cheer. That everyone could be like me. <laughs> Let's give it up for the video. Come on, what's that? Chris, will you put up a PowerPoint for me, please? Thank you. Okay, so basically, uh, the first thing that we need to do is we need to decide what we can afford and not afford uh, moving from this point. And I had just uh, met with the leadership team, and I was basically telling them, you know, we have made budget plans when they made their last pledges as a part of uh, the Urban Park Church. But, uh, you know, as I was just praying today, I, I just felt the Lord in my heart just say, you know what, let's release those funds as well into this campus because I know that there are dedicated leaders here that have been giving faithfully to the Irving Park campus. And so what we're going to ask that you would do is we're going to ask that the envelopes would go back out again. And uh, we're going to give you guys all an envelope, okay? So ushers, would you do that for me, please? Just get everybody an envelope. Uh, we're not going to ask you to give your tithe and offering right now. Matter of fact, just hold on to it to the end of the service, okay? So if you already have an envelope that we just gave you, then use that. If you need a blank envelope, we're going to give that to you. So I want everybody to have a blank envelope, okay? Um, we're going to wait for you to do that. Okay? Okay. If, if you need another one, I don't know. I saw some people right now doing some different things. I don't know if that was their announcements or something. Just get a couple, pass them down. I want to make sure everybody has one. Okay, so this is what we need to do. Uh, Irving Park, uh, people that we talked to came from here, from Irving Park to Wicker Park. I need you guys to put on there uh, your tithe and your building fund offering, your mission fund offering, okay? And uh, what we're going to ask you to do is that you would give it here on Tuesdays, and then if you ever give it online, that you would designate it towards Wicker Park, okay? So uh, we just want everybody to do that as well. And we just need to see what we're working with, okay, guys? So I want you to do this for me. This is what I want you to do for me right now. Now, if this is not uh, normally your church, I see a couple of visitors coming here. I mean, God bless you for coming and visiting us. But 
We need to figure out what our leadership is going to get and those people who consider this their church. It's anonymous, so don't write your name on it, okay? But this is what I would want you to do. Those of you from Irving Park who have already been given your tithes, I want to release that here. So I want you to put your tithe, your credit fund, and your mission on there so we would know what that would be. For everybody that this is Vicker Park, this is your campus, then I would like for you by faith to put down your tithe and what an offering would be. Okay? If you don't want to do this, then don't do it at all. But this way, I know if God would speak to your heart and you would be obedient and you would do this, this would be our budget. Okay? That's what we need to do so we can figure out where we are uh, with the church and everything. So why don't you guys just take a moment to do that right now. I'll put on this cool video again, and we'll just hang out for a second. But I just need to fill out these envelopes, and then we need to get an idea of where our budget is at. Okay, so this, if you guys can pin, ask somebody, uh, passing them around. And uh, I need everybody to come in from the outside there so that we can know what, what, uh, what the full number is. A little awkward, but I need you guys to do it, okay? This is the way churches are if we're going to go from here. So pass around the pen, Chris, Vanessa, I need everybody to do it, please. Thank you. that we've brought over here 
are going to be somewhere around four or five hundred dollars. That's going to be enough uh, to get us to where we need to be. Whether or not the rest of you added into that, that's up to you. But I need to know what theirs is going to be. I wish I would have done it before. Uh, at least I could know that it's a base number. But that's going to be somewhere in what it's going to be. Right now they're charging us $300, uh, $350 a week to come here. And then that comes out to be about $1,400 a month. Like last, uh, this month, November, we've got five uh, uh, Tuesdays. So that's another $350 plus $1,400 is $1,750. Okay, so uh, and last month we brought in about $200. So we're under uh, $1,500. Now where did that money come from? Well, I prayed. I woke up in the morning. Then I found a dollar tree in my house. And then I just plucked it off of that dollar tree. No, that's not where it came from. Where it came from was hardworking people like yourself at another campus that uh, are working all kinds of jobs, giving generously, that allowed us to have three months uh, with our deposit to be paid for. So that's where we're at. Don't feel awkward if you're a visitor. Just chill. Understand. We love you. We're, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And when that number gets back to me, I need you guys then to pray for some of you that might have been a stretch if tithing was new for you or giving an offering if you're already giving a tithe somewhere else, that, that we'll believe God together, you and me, we're going to believe together that we can do this, okay? Now, the second thing that I felt God speak to me uh, that, you know, we need to do is that I feel at this point that I need to give this campus to Chris and Vanessa. And that's always been the plan. And let me tell you why it's a good thing at this point. I believe this congregation is going to take about 18 months to build up to need a Sunday morning service. And so for those of you here right now, you're going to have to decide in your heart, are you going to be with us for the next part of the journey? Uh, when we first started the campus, we thought that it could blow up, fill up this place, and need to go immediately to a Sunday morning service. And that's why I was here. Uh, but now seeing that we have a good-sized small group, we're somewhere in the teens to 20 every week, what we can do now is we can give it to Chris and Vanessa and the team, and Chris and Vanessa are going to grow as leaders, and they're going to work with the team, and they're going to be great leaders to you. Now, how we do this in the church is what we've said from the very beginning. We believe in loving God, loving people. That's always been our vision. And then we connect, mentor, send through these books right here, and we use a life group to do that. Through these life groups, we raise up leaders. As our leaders feel called into ministry, we have a vocational Bible college, a distant Bible college, that uses our campus that I'm also a professor at. It's fully accredited. It's similar to the education of Moody. We get fast for grants and loans for students to go there, to go there, just like you would at any other college. And so we have a dozen plus students in full-time ministry. The other students are leading their ministries right now. Adam, who you saw leading worship here for a season, he is leading our youth ministry with a team, and he is growing with that team. And they are doing wonderful. They're hitting over 50 young people right now. They are growing and touching lives. And on their events, they're getting a lot of young people to come up. Berto and Griselda took over our Wednesday nights, which is our prayer meeting and family night. And they're also in the Bible college. And they have around 50 that come every week, around 20 children to 30 adults. And the last Wednesday of every month, they do a big outreach for the families where they can get anywhere to 75 people. And so they're in charge of that. Jared is in charge of our evangelism ministry. Now, having said all of that, I brought Chris and Vanessa on, and I said, if I need to be here, I'll stay as long as it takes, and then I'll transition you in. That was always the plan. But now that I see the group is at this size, I feel no better of a time than to let them grow with it. Now, for some of you, that may not make you feel good. You may say, Pastor Joe, we love you. Well, here's the good side to this. I'm there every Sunday morning, so you can come on Sunday morning and still come and see me. 
But this being a Tuesday, I want to give Chris and Vanessa the chance to grow as leaders. And let me just share with you a couple things about Chris and Vanessa. Uh, number one, they've been saved longer than I was saved when I started pastoring my first church. When I started pastoring my first church, I was only saved for three years and I was 22 years old in New Orleans. They've been saved for almost six, seven years. So they have a lot of time under their belt. They're also in their third year of Bible college. And when I started pastoring my first church, I had only gotten an associate's degree. So they now have more education. And I compare it to myself because maybe you've trusted me in a lot of these ways. And then thirdly, I was never really coached in church planning. I started on my own with an organization that I only had to meet with a couple times a year. Uh, Chris and Vanessa will meet with me, continue to meet, as they do now, once a week on Mondays in the afternoons and continue to be coached. And I'll make sure that everything is moving forward. I'll be looking at their life group materials. I'll be making sure the sermons are good and sticking with them. And in our plan of sending out people, you can see we've already had the goal of 100,000 disciples with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. So it's not like, surprise, this is what we do, okay? And so you have my dedication to these three things now as well. Number one, I'm not jumping shit because it's small and I'm too good for small things. This is all I have done in ministry. It started with small things. And those who have come around and seen the bigger things, those all started small. And uh, I'm always proud to be a part of new creative things. So it's not me jumping ship. If God wanted me to be here, I would still be here. I really just feel it's the best time for them to be here to grow it. Because as I was talking to uh, Karina and Rudy and Jennifer the other day, remember I was sharing about how we started in my house and all of those things with the three I had before. And I just really felt the Lord saying, let somebody else have that journey. Let somebody else grow the church from three and onward. Why do I have to do it again to receive the joy and the credit of it? Yeah, there's a lot of hard work. I'm not afraid of that. But I really feel it's time for other leaders in our church who have been raised up faithful to the Lord to take that on. Uh, the second thing is I don't do things that aren't fruitful. So it's not that we don't see a lot of success here. I think it's been very successful for the abilities that we had coming in here. Wicker Park is a tough nut to crack. A lot of people are anti-Christ, anti-God. They, they, uh, we have people come in, they walk out in the middle of our services, they're rude. Uh, they have the heart of a fool, the Bible says, that just mocks and all these things. And then there's others who thumb their nose at up at us because we're not going to let them hide in our church. We're not going to give them some watered-down, seeker-sensitive, limp-wristed, sissy message. And I actually got that last time I preached from the woman that was doing our interview in a comparative religion class. She was interviewing me, and she said, dude, you are intense. Like, oh, my God, not really intense. And I'm like, that's, what we, that's how we bring it. You know why? Because Lady Gaga is intense. You know why? Because Hangover 2 is intense. You know, the people of this generation are used to intense. Video games, Modern Warfare 3 is intense. Most people coming back from the military can't even play these video games because it causes stress and post-traumatic stress in their life. I mean, we love intense in this generation. And so that's what we do in this church. So I'm not uh, doing something that's not fruit. This is good. If it's not good, I would say we're shutting it down now. God bless you. My conscience would be clear, and I'll say I'll see you Sundays at the other campus. Really, I, I don't have any reason to keep it going just to keep it going. And as a matter of fact, as the Lord was speaking to me, to pull out those finances now from this core group of seven, I now want to invest them into here. That's going to cause a lack over there, but I believe that principle of sowing and reaping. And if I sow into here, I believe we can reap over there. Can I get an amen from somebody who believes that? So I really believe if I walk out on the water and say, God, we're just meeting budget over there. These seven people can make a big difference. But God, I'm going to sow them over here into this community, believing that it's going to turn out for our good. 
And I believe God's going to replace them, bring new people over there. Because the farmer, he can look at his, uh, his, his corn and just eat it, or he can sow it and plant it. If he plants the corn, it multiplies and grows. Uh, so the first thing is, I'm not jumping ship, never have, never do. I hope you guys can trust me with that. Number two, I'm not disappointed in it. It's not what we thought it would be, but that's life. That's what happens in life. Come on, man. We're in a time of a recession. People hate God in this community. I can take it. I love it. I'm not giving up. Uh, and then the third thing is, we're not going to do anything uh, unfruitful. We're going to do what is fruitful. And this is what I believe. Um, if we give Chris and Vanessa and the chance of the five people that came with them here, and some of you from the Wicker Park come and visit as well, I mean Irving Park and the new people, if, if you guys would, would work with this and grow with this for 18 months, I believe we'll break the teens, get out the 20s, we'll get towards the 50, and we'll start having a Sunday morning service here led by somebody you know and love and trust that has a full-time devotion to this campus and can believe in you with that. And uh, if that's not okay with you and you don't like that, that's okay. Maybe this can be your goodbye. But for the sake of Chris and Vanessa, don't stick around and, and have a bad attitude about it. You know what I'm saying? Don't be like, you know, pouting, well, you're not as good as Joe. Because I want people who stick around here to really love Chris and Vanessa, just as if this was my first church and I was like, I was that young couple and getting the chance to do it with 20 people, I would want them to love me and I would want them to believe in me, not comparing me to the person who taught me. You, you get what I'm saying? And so, and if that's not you, that's okay. We love you. Thanks for the journey. Uh, we'll start smaller than what it is today next week. We're okay with that. And so, I don't want this to be a sad day, but I don't need you to come up and be like, Joe, you changed my life, and I'll never be the same. Because it's not like that. I'm not going anywhere. I mean, it was only a few months, and now we're raising up our leaders, and I'm still where I've been. But what I hope that we hear here is that, number one, we need committed giving from the core group here now. And like I said, I know I can count on the seven I've planted here. Those of you who join with them, please help them. But whatever that seven is going to plant into this ministry, I now know I can negotiate with them. And then I'm going to have them give me an answer tonight. I'm not going to let it linger. And so when you come next week, we'll let you know. We'll either be moving forward here after December. We have December paid for, okay? Uh, or we will find a new place in December. And uh, the way I look at it is, is during this month of December, we have a great outreach plan. I want you guys to come, have fun, hang out, keep praying, bring your friends, and let's just grow this campus. That's the best thing we can do right now, and believe in it, okay? And like I said, I believe in this, I believe it's the right thing, and I feel we have the right leadership in place to do it. And so I, I, I believe I've stalled long enough. And so we're going to have a number here, and then I'm going to pray for Chris and Vanessa. And then uh, we'll go from here. Amen. So we have a total of $650 with 80 in missions. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. Amen. Now, of course, I know that most of that's coming from our team that's here. I'm not ashamed of that. No condo bondo on my end. That gives me a number uh, to go with them with. And the Irving Park guys that are now Wicker Park guys, I would say Wicker Park guys. I never want to take you guys for granted. I almost want to cry. Uh, as I'm seeing you guys step up and be radical because I know what it was like when you first came to know the Lord. And uh, I just want to thank you. I don't take you for granted at all. And I promise to, uh, to help Chris and Vanessa find the best place uh, to steward this and to, to get the word out there that we're, if we have to move, we're going to be there in force and show up. So $650 is our budget, $80 for our mission budget. And I think that's awesome. And that's going to give them something to look at. And then I think if, uh, if those of you here can start praying and, and join in with us, 
Uh, we can change the world uh, through this. And so now, uh, Chris and Vanessa, if you would just come and I guess stand here. I'm just going to pray for you guys. And uh, Jerry, do you know how to play something on the guitar? I know you do. Would you just play something you feel comfortable with? And Chris and Vanessa, would you come and stand up here? And I'm just going to talk to you for a minute and embarrass you a little bit in front of the group here. But, uh, so I want to tell you guys I'm proud of you. Uh, you didn't ask for this. But when we started, you knew that it would come at a time. And as we were talking, you said, this is way surprising to you because I know your heart is to always serve. And you never looked at it like, uh, I want to take it over. And brother, I just want to tell you, man, you spent the week in Bahamas together. I know your heart. I know your character. You are a good man. You are an awesome. I look up to you in ways that I still need to grow in patience. Isn't Chris a patient man? Dude, you are a patient man. You are a kind. When I think of, if I was going to draw out the attributes of a pastor, dude, your name would be there, and I would start listing characteristics I see in Chris. Patient, loving, slow to become angry. How many know that's a good thing? <laughs> slow to become angry. Loving, generous, kind. And uh, I know that the people here are going to serve you as you're serving Christ. So I just want to encourage you and admonish you in the Lord. And just stick with God. And sometimes people will come, sometimes people will go, you've watched me go through it. But if you remain faithful, brother, you will be in this place. This, this is a place that needs a patient man, a loving man, somebody that they can trust and go, this guy's got nothing up to see. You know, he's just here because he loves us. And I just want to say that I'm going to pray and bless you with all of my that when I pray for you, everything that I have been given from God over these years of studying and years of serving the church for over 15 years in God's ministry, I'm going to pray that God is going to give you a supernatural downgrade and help you skip some steps. And then Vanessa, right there, just showing your heart. That's what I love about you, bro. I think you have the heart of the great women that we see in the Bible. And, you know, when, when I knew that you and I as pastor and disciple were coming to another level is when you came to me and said, Joe, I used to think this about you and I used to think this. And, and it showed me when somebody can come and be real with you, that means they've grown past that. But when somebody can't share that, that means they're still holding on to it. And that's what I love is your boldness, your heart that has to be honest, those tears that come down your eyes. I remember the first time you came to a new service that we were doing, and, and we were just at a slow time of the service, and you were just on your knees crying out for God. And I said, there is something special about that. And you've been faithful to your gift. You see, we believe in the fivefold ministry, and I believe Chris has the gift of teaching and pastoring, which is one of the five, teacher and pastor. And I believe that uh, Vanessa has profit upon her life, the gift of a prophet. The other ones are evangelist and apostle. I definitely think they both have the office of an apostle. But your heart prophetically leading worship, opening up your home, being a young couple, always in integrity. Let me just say this in front of you guys right here. Nobody says anything about their character behind their back. These people are solid. I have leaders in place that sometimes they get there a little bit too soon. 
And then people come to me. They say, you don't know what so-and-so is doing behind your back when you're not around the pastor. I've never heard that about Chris and Vanessa. But yet you have brought many people to the Lord. There's people right now serving God that I know of. And I know there's many more that God knows of. You know of. But there are people serving the Lord. You know, like your relationship that you have with Chris and you know, Gracia, how they came. Now Chris is serving the Lord. Monique is serving the Lord. And many, many others of people you brought here. And even now on this campus. And so when I pray for you, I'm going to pray for you that the blessing of God would just overflow into your life. And that these women here would look to you as an example. And that maybe there's not the older women here yet, but they'll come, you know. And when they come, they won't look down on them. You know, you don't have children. You don't understand. No, because my wife didn't have children for a long time. But she had to counsel people with children. And she had to love them. And you guys are going to do that. You have a blessed marriage. I've watched it. I've witnessed it. I wish I could have did the ceremony, but where was I? Was I mean, yeah. yeah, I was traveling out. You guys just had to get married. You couldn't wait. That's okay. And so I want to pray for you, and I want to ask that the team that we have, Danny, uh, Christina, Josh, Deanna, I'm going to ask that the team would come up and just stand in back of them. And guys, would you just close your eyes and stretch your hands towards them right now? We're just going to pray for them. Father, I thank you today, God, for Christopher, God. He is a humble servant, Lord. He loves you, Jesus. And, Lord, he's an elder in our congregation, Lord, and now he's going to begin to act in the role of a pastoral elder. It's his third year of Bible college, God, and it seems like it may be a lot. And Lord, he may take it personal if some people don't come back next week. But, Lord, you have such a call on his life, Lord. That anyone who wouldn't walk with this man is going to be worse off for it, Lord. Because anyone today who can trust them and follow them will learn so much from him, God. And would learn his heart for you, God. I've watched him weep for the lost. I've watched him serve and help the hurting and the lonely and the homeless. I've watched him stay up late and rise up early. I've watched him dedicate himself to his studies. He's been there for me every time I've called, no matter what time of night. God, I know his heart, Lord. And I ask you now to bless him and anoint him to shepherd these people. Let him skip years of heartache and hardship that I had to go through, God. Because he served me, O oh Lord, without any vanity, God, without any selfish ambition. Lord, I pray he'll skip steps, Father God, that I had to go through, God. He'll skip over years and bypass some of those troubles that I had to face. Lord, I pray you impart to him the wisdom beyond his years. Favor and grace and anointing, O oh God. Let him never take it personal. Let him grow in his gift. Father God, because we trust in him. We trust in him. We spoke about this Saturday with the elders, and they said yes to this. All 25 of them said yes. They trust Chris here in the name of Jesus Christ, brother. I just anoint you in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to go forth in this congregation and to love and to lead. And Lord, I thank you today for Vanessa, God. And I just pray, Lord, that the heart she has of a worshiper, the heart of a prophet, God, to speak your words boldly, that heart, oh God, to shepherd and care for people, God, would just be transferred to these young women and the women that come into this ministry, that people wouldn't look down on her because of her age, oh God, but they would look up to her because of her spiritual growth and abilities, God, that you've given her. 
Oh God, we know music stars that are half our age that make millions of dollars corrupting a nation. But yet, oh, people will judge a young woman in the ministry. Oh God, make her more influential than pop stars, God, and movie stars on TV that lead adulterous and lascivious lives, showing young ladies the way to hell, oh God. Let her be an example of purity. Let her be an example of loving her husband and serving God, not in, in timidity, but in boldness with the woman of God's power and mind, God, because you made women strong. Let her as well grow, God, beyond her years. Let her be blessed with an anointing that saves her time, God, and energy, because she has served my wife and I. It's my honor and privilege in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to anoint you, to cover this congregation, to shepherd them as Christ would. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to ask that you would come along, uh, sit down the guitar and team. Would you all just stand in front of me? I want to read a scripture to you, and then I want to pray for you guys. Because all of you are special, and all of you made a choice to to be here and to sacrifice and to put in extra time. And brothers and sisters out there, you can trust these guys even after I go that they're going to keep serving God. One of the scriptures that I think of often is Timothy. Timothy was a young man put in charge of a church by Paul. And Paul writes to him in 1 Timothy. And he talks about the responsibilities that he is going to face. And in one of the places that Paul writes to Timothy, he tells him, he says, don't let people look down on you because of your age. Don't let people do that. But to be a man of God. And so I want to say to this young team here, don't let anybody look down on you because of your age. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. You can do it. My wife and I in my house did it. And I know you can do it. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in your speech, in your life, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. The Bible says don't let people look down on you because you're young. Be an example of how you talk. Be an example of how you live out your life. Be an example of how you give love to this world. Be an example in your faith that even when times are hard, you look to the Lord. Be an example in your purity that you don't do what everybody else is doing in this young generation. And verse 13, until I come, Paul is saying to Timothy, until I come. And so until I come back at an anniversary service, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of the scripture, to preaching and to teaching. The Bible says, keep reading the scriptures here. Go out there and keep preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And so I'm just going to lay my hands on each one of you and just ask that God, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me as well, guys. That the gifts that's in these guys right here, these men and women, will just come out and flourish in this neighborhood. Amen. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the people that are here today, God. These leaders that have given their lives to you, Father God. I thank you, God, for them. 
And Lord, I pray right now, God, in this place, that God, you will begin to raise them up in their giftings like never before. That God, giftings will begin to flow out of their lives. God, I pray you'll use Christina, God, to be a gift to this community and neighborhood out of love and compassion. Let her continue to share the word with her friends. Let her love the people here, God. Let her not get discouraged, God, with her busy schedule and all that she does to, to achieve excellence in this life. May her passion grow, God, and let her not take rejection personal if people don't come because, God, they rejected you. But let her be faithful, God, to walk through these hard times until, the, until God, the fruit comes. The farmer works for many many days in the heat of the field, Christina. The farmer will work when he sees nothing but dirt. He sees nothing but the heat of the sun, but he knows if he'll keep working, eventually the fruit will come. I just want to speak encouragement to you. Be encouraged. Just keep in the presence of the Lord. Let him use you. God, I thank you today for Josh, Lord bless him. God, you've given him creativity. God, you've anointed him, God, to make a difference, Lord, with his gifts. Lord, he's such a kind person, Lord. Let his gifts come forth. And God, let him grow in his responsibility, Lord. Let him grow as he goes back to Bible college to study and to train. Show him, God, that if we fall down, we can get back up. And Lord, let his heart touch a generation of young people. You've put on his heart to one day go to Japan as a missionary. Let those dreams come true, God. Some may laugh at those dreams. Oh, but God, we take them serious here. Let it be the privilege of this campus one day to send him forth to be a missionary to one of the most unreached people groups in the world. God, I thank you for Diana, who Lord herself, God, has said many times it was hard and she wanted to give up. But Lord, when she came here and she saw lives begin to change, Lord, it made all the difference to her. Lord, I pray that as she sees just a few lives change, she'll stay faithful until she sees many lives change. And that she'll see, God, that she can be a leader. And that she can change the world, Lord. And the gifts you've given her to pursue counseling, that as she'll become a professional counselor, she'll stay Christ-centered and lead a congregation in the wisdom and counsel of the Lord. God, we thank you today for Danny, who we've had to fight for, Lord. God, there were battles that people here, God, don't have time to hear. But, Lord, we know his friends up here know, God, he's fought battles to, to stick it out, Lord. When others quit, Lord, he didn't quit. And, God, you see what he goes through, Lord. But now, Lord, we ask that you will give him strength, Lord, to be the man you called him to be. That, Lord, he won't quit now. That, God, he'll fight to the end, Lord. And that, Lord, he'll see other men that run in and out of these clubs, other men that are chasing ladies, other men living a lifestyle that he could relate with, that God, he'll see them come to the Lord as well. And that they'll look to him as a leader, God, because of the time that he went through it and stuck it out to the end. Bless the Lord with the call of ministry. You've called him to be in Bible college and to touch the hurting people of the inner city like those we saw on Thanksgiving Day. Lord, I thank you today for Jerry, Lord, you've given her the gift of music, given her healing hands, Lord, a family that's raised her up, a brother that's already been a missionary, 
And God, when she was running from you, life wasn't the same. But now that she's been back home with you this last year, 16 months so, God, she's been loving it, Lord. And I pray now for the best to come. For her to begin to lead worship with Vanessa. For her gifts and callings to come forth, the teaching gifts, the leading gifts, even the call of ministry, Lord, upon her life. Bless them, God, as a team and as an individual today. God, bless them all, Lord. In Jesus' name, can we give the Lord a hand clap for these today? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask that you guys would just turn and face everybody. And would you guys just come out of your seats? And would you just make your way and just shake everybody's hand and just say something nice to them? Just congratulate them, honor them. Come on, tell somebody you love them today. We talked about this Saturday, and uh, they all just agreed. And so let's just go forward in God, man. Let's do it. We've got the shekels to get someplace to work for us. We've got the people. We know that God has you here, and so all you got to do is keep coming. Amen? All right. So I'll take it that you're going to come, even though you all can say amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So this is our mission. We're going to keep loving God, loving people. We're going to connect, mentor, and send with you. One of the best ways that we can connect is have you come with us on a life group. You see, today is when we all get together and hear the preaching of the word and sing together and all of that. But how about getting together in a life group on Sunday with Chris and Vanessa and sitting down with your friends and getting in depth into the service of what you've learned and whatever's going on in your life. And if you don't need it now, I promise you one day you will because we can do life better together when we have people praying for it. Say amen. Amen. So I just want to ask you guys to be a part of that. And then this is going to be really cool. Can we give it up for the Ugly Sweater Party? <laughs> so don't y'all go anywhere. December is paid for, okay? Don't y'all freak out and just have seven people show up next week. A little team right here. No, I want you guys to blow this up for December. And this especially, December 20th in the Christmas season, is going to be really awesome. I want y'all to come out. It's going to be an Ugly Sweater Party. Does anybody have any of these ugly sweaters around their house? How many think you can find an Ugly Sweater somewhere at a... At a at your grandma's closet or at a thrift store, 
Even if you can't find one, come on out. But basically, it's going to be a time to have fun, to dress up in something different. There's going to be a lot of games that we're going to do. It's going to be free pizza right here. One of the brothers from our church owns, owns an Italian bistro business. Chris and Vanessa work there. What's the name of it again? Fornello Sacaria. Fornello Sacaria. Did I say it right? No? Fornello's. Yes. I just know him as Brother Otto, the pizza best. My man, he always comes to church and he hooks us up with pizza. He's a great guy. Fornello's. Uh, Lord, forgive me for forgetting because he's blessed us with so much pizza. So anyway, it's going to be pizza. There's going to be food here. Come on out. Be here. Bring your ugly sweater. And then we're going to do the white elephant gift exchange. Now, what's really cool about this is you don't have to spend a dollar. Just find something in your house you don't want that even might make somebody laugh if you wrapped it up and gave it to somebody, okay? So just find something weird, a bar of soap that you've been using. You know, something, dude. Your toothbrush. You know, the razor that you would throw away, your disposable razor. And then from there, it can get cooler, okay? Socks or a shirt or a video game you don't play anymore. You know what I'm saying? Just find something cool. Wrap it up, make it look nice, and then we'll put it in a pile, and then everybody will uh, have a different gift on their way out. And so try to bring a friend to this. Try to bring a friend. I can promise you, the reason why I wanted to do this today is because we don't want to talk about this anymore, okay? So I can just promise you from this point on, services are going to be normal, you know, small offering time, you know, whatever. We're not going to sit down and count offerings and all that. So just, you know, come and bring your friends, because I guarantee you they've never been a part of a party like this. And then uh, today we're going to have a uh, Time to Grow series, and then next week it's going to be Growing Community. Today we're going to talk about generosity, and that's why we're going to do tithes and offerings at the end, is because I believe God is going to speak to some of your hearts today. And if you're thinking to yourself, dude, Joe planned it this way. No, look, it's already been up there. This just happens to be my last message. It's a message on generosity, and I think you guys are all going to love it. So let's open up our Bibles. Um, oh, no, let's do a question. Forgot about that little guy. Forgot about the little Pillsbury dough guy. <laughs> let's talk about this for a second. I have this question up here. Uh, is it really better to give than it is to receive? So uh, this is our question today, what we love to do in our services. Uh, you know, uh, what do you believe times? Kind of like my turn to the Christian Oprah Winfrey. So the, the question is here today. You know, is it really better to give than it is to receive? You know, because Jesus told us that. You know, it's better to give than it is to receive. You know, is that true or is that just a, some religious person messing with us? You know, is it better really just to hoard on, to hoard and hold on to things in life? Or do you think it's better to, to give things in life and to share things? I want you to look at your neighbors. I play some pretty cool music right here. And you discuss with somebody right now if you think it's better to give than it is to receive. Jesus said it. Ask somebody around you, what do you believe? <laughs> what do you believe?
about 60 more seconds. And if you got a real cool thought, I definitely want you to share it. Okay, keep discussing if you want to, but uh, let's get some feedback. What do you guys think about giving or receiving? Is it really better to give than it is to receive? Or is God just messing with us and it's a lie? You better just hold on to all you got because that's as good as it gets. He who has the most toys in the end wins. You ever hear that before? Maybe you got to be Southern to help talk like that hear that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, who wants to talk about giving? You know, I mean, is it really all that it's cracked up to be that goodwill feeling? Is what the goodwill trucks have on their uh, their truck? Get that goodwill will feeling? Here we go, one of our new guys. Go ahead and share. What do you think, man? Uh, is everybody doing tonight? Oh, yeah. My name is Cervantes. Amen, Cervantes. Now, what I believe is actually giving is, to me, one of the biggest things in life because it, it, it tells who you are. Yeah, come on. Um, I've been giving all my life, never really received much, but that doesn't matter to me. Um, it just helped me through life. Give. So giving made you a better person. Amen. Let's give it up for Cervantes. Come on. Yeah. Isn't it funny the new guy takes the mic first? What's up with that? <laughs> Everybody else is shy after all this time. Come on. Anybody else want to share something about... I mean, it's given all it's cracked up to be. Maybe there's a, there's a giver here, and something you gave changed your life, and somebody gave you something. Or something. Something about something. I'm going to be talking a whole lot about it, so I want to hear what you guys got to say. Give it up for Vanessa. She's going to share. Come on. Tossing the mic like a football. There you go. Hail Mary. Talking about giving, Vanessa, what do you think? Well, for those of you who know me, you know that I love to give. And, um, it's because of all that God's given me, I realized the importance of giving. And um, I would like to say it's very awesome because the Bible says you reap what you sow. Meaning, like, if you plant apple trees, you're going to get apple trees. If you give generous, you know, generously, you're going to get back generously. And I've seen that in my life. And, you know, for example, me and Chris were talking once about, you know, how we're going to pay, pay off loan debt. And we're like, man, Lord, what are we going to do? We made a plan. And that day, somebody came to our house, they were coming to visit us, and they gave us $500. Wow. And it was just like, wow, God. Awesome. Wow. Right after we sought God about it. So you've actually seen miracles come from your giving because you reaped what you were giving. Yes. I, I gave, and God gave back. He was faithful through someone. What if he never gave back? Would it still be worth giving? Oh, absolutely. I don't care. <laughs> right, awesome. Let's give it up for Vanessa. 
Come on, anybody else want to share? We got time for one more. Awesome, Sid. Go ahead, baby. Oh, um, there's a there's a lot I can say on the topic, but I'm trying to keep it down to a minute. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, out, of, out of Teen Challenge alone, I, I've seen a lot because I got... What is Teen Challenge? Maybe people here don't oh, know what it is. Teen Challenge is uh, like a Christian rehabilitation, but rather they teach the Bible rather than rehabilitation. We don't believe in the, in the power of AA or NAs. It's the power of Jesus all the way in the life of Christ. Um, uh, so I, we went through ministry out there. We were reaching out to people. We gave... Uh, we devil um, people on the streets. We'd go out and walk door to door in houses trying to minister to people. Sometimes us just simply handing over a free meal to some people will just change their whole attitude. Like they were just having a rough day or a rough time and we would just give them something. And then next thing you know, they light up and be all bright and happy. Um, and I, a lot of times, uh, I have, when I have that something, I give a lot. It's just a spirit God gave me to give a lot. Um, so if I could just summarize, because we do have to get going. I want to interrupt the story, but because people have given to you, it's changed your life, and now you want to give it back? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I've given to them. Okay. And, and a lot of, like, without without motive, reward, whatever. Um, You've given in Teen Challenge, is what you're saying? They're there, and then when I come out, I, I see my provision come to me all the time, because I came out with no family, no one to turn to, but I always had a, had a place. I had food, I had clothing. Amen, so giving has changed your life. Mm -hmm. Amen. Let's give it up for those who share. Come on. Amen. We're going to talk about today growing in generosity. Okay, so it's going to be an awesome time. And uh, let's all get out our Bibles. It's going to be good. And let's go to the scripture that we've been learning. First Peter chapter 2 verse 2. Open up your Bibles there if you could please. And uh, we're going to learn today about growing in generosity. Everybody say generosity. Thank you. And I'm going to be sharing what I think about generosity. And of course, I think the Bible is true when it says it is better to give than it is to receive. But before you think this message is all about finances, hold on to your wallet. It's not going to be all about money. Because we're also going to talk about some other things. But generosity will touch every part of your life. Now, this has been the scripture we've been looking at in our series, It's Time to Grow. The first week we talked about just growing up, growing up in your character, getting out of your diapers and learning to be the man or woman God wants you to be. Last week where I could have been there, Chris, I heard did an awesome job growing in evangelism, starting to reach out and touch people's lives. How many enjoyed last week's message? Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen? amen. And now today, growing in generosity, what you're going to learn is this phrase is very important in life. Let me help you with this phrase right at the beginning of the message. We all need to learn to live to give. Everybody say, live to give. Thank you. I just want to share this with you now. I know that I've been like the only married one with kids here for a while. And, and now that we, I leave, it will go back to the single people just newly married. But let me just share this with you. If you don't get it now, you will get it then. And if you don't like giving to your children, if you don't like giving to them every day, you will not have a happy life because you have got to give to your children. And those of you who are married can recognize this. You've got to give to your spouse. And so you got to learn to live to give. And God talked about this way back when in the Bible. Well, let's look at our scripture, 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up. Everybody say grow up. Grow up. Thank you. So God don't throw up, amen. So we got to grow up in your salvation. 
now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So like newborn babes, a lot of you are new Christians. It's time for you to grow up and become who God wants you to be. Don't stay a little baby boo-boo gaga. You know, don't keep making those same mistakes over and over again. Grow up and start getting the milk. And the, the Bible says of itself, this is your pure, pure milk right here. So I don't know if y'all were breastfed, but it's time to come to the teat of the word of God and just suckle on it. Come on. Come on. John 3.16. <laughs> John 3 3. Woo, I feel so much better. Okay, that's how you're going to grow up, and then you're going to get the book of Romans. And then you're going to go about your day, amen? It's okay. That's what he's talking about. Where does milk come from? Either comes as a baby. Where do you think they got? Dude, I was in India, and we, we look at breastfeeding as something weird here. I was preaching. Women just pull it right up, right there while I was preaching. Come on. They just breastfeed right in front of you. That's where babies get milk from. Let's not be so weird that we don't understand that. Amen? Okay? So we're going to grow up, and we're going to get better in our salvation because we know God is good. Now, spiritual milk is the pure and elementary things of God. You need to learn how to, you know, stop murdering, stop stealing, stop uh, lying, you know, stop committing adultery or fornication. These are the elementary things. And then to grow up means to begin to experience healthy progress in life. That you should be able to track with yourself as you're coming to this church, as you're walking with the Lord over the next part of your life, that every year or every month there's something that's changing in you. I am not the same joker I used to be, praise God, 16 years ago. How many are glad I'm not that dude I was 16 years ago? Amen. I mean, I was a high school dropout. I was arrested. I was just a Torah dude. And then even just five years ago, maybe... Christine will help you out who I was as a pastor of her church. Maybe just eight years ago, I wasn't always so nice, you know. So every year, you should be seeing growth. Every day, in some little way, you should see it adding up. And so why is generosity so important in growing up? Is because when you look at a baby, and I can see this right now with my kids, what do you think are one of the first words they begin to learn? Me, mine, mine. And see, that's a sign of immaturity. When you hold on to your stuff in life, that's a sign that you're still a baby. Now, I understand that some of you have real car payments. You have real bills to pay at school. You have real things to do in life. But let me tell you, if you're looking to God going, God, I can't give any other way because it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. He's looking at you like a little baby. He's saying, would you just trust me? You can't figure out this life. Learn to give, and I'll take care of you. Not to be lazy in life but to begin to learn to give through life. You see, as you look at the Bible, you find out that God is generous. Our favorite scripture, John 3, 16, if you know, let's say it together, one, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him has everlasting life. Uh, for some reason, I have to say that. Shout out Paris, man, I remember last night. For some reason, I always got to say that to King James. Pretty much like me, you know. But we look at God, he's a giver. So when we grow up in our Christianity, we need to be givers. And what is the def definition of generosity that I think we can use today to help us understand this? It's the habit of giving freely without expecting anything in return. We're not talking about being good buyers, being good traders. You can trade at the lunch table. Hey, man, what you got? Well, I got two cookies. What do you got? I got some Doritos, not the generic kind, the real kind. 
Oh, what kind of cookies you got? I got Oreos. Okay, I'll trade you my Oreos for your Doritos. I'm going to think that would be a pretty good trade. Oreos for Doritos, depending what mood you're in. If you got the sweet tooth and they got the, 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 you know, uh, the cookies and you got the Doritos, that's a good trade. You know, and as we get older, we get the same way. You know, you go to eBay right now, you know, and you go into Craigslist, and then you get on to your job. You know, I'll trade you 40 hours for this paycheck. And we start making trades, we start becoming buyers and sellers. And sometimes our heart gets so hard that we don't want to ever give anything away without expecting something back. But generosity is the characteristic, the habit of giving something freely without expecting anything in return. And how many know that takes some real character to do that? I mean, it may be easy to give a homeless dude that meal you didn't want anyway on your way home, but it's a whole other thing to start giving God a tithe or an offering. It's a whole other thing to dedicate to give somebody a ride to church every week. It's a whole other thing to start committing your life towards missions and helping others. You see, generosity, when it becomes a characteristic, you'll feel it. It becomes a sacrifice, but it's a godly character. Now, here are three ways that I believe the Bible talks about us being generous. Generous in forgiving, generous in giving, and generous in living. Can we say these three together? One, two, three. Generous in forgiving, generous in giving, generous in living. You see, I think those are three areas that are going to show your maturity and whether or not you can be a generous person in life. In the first place, forgiving is very important. I want you to turn with me to Matthew 18, 21. Because sometimes we don't want to give forgiveness unless somebody gives it to us first. I'll trade forgiveness with you. You say you're sorry, then I'll say sorry back. But unless you say you're sorry, dude, I'm definitely not saying sorry. Come on, people. Have you ever heard, had a conversation like that before? I ain't forgiving them. They don't deserve it. You ever said something like that before? That's not the way we should live. As Christians, we need to grow up. We need to learn to give forgiveness even when people don't deserve it. Even when they don't give it to us. Matthew 18, 21 through 22 tells the story about Peter walking up to Jesus. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I, shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Like, you know, he's stretching right now. Up to seven times? God's like, Jesus like, no, nah, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Did you know Peter right there just went, bull? He was probably about ready to slap John upside the head. Man, you just sin that eighth time. I don't gotta forgive you, man. You know we think about that all the time. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, you know, I'm not gonna forget this. I'm not gonna forgive you. You know, I hate you. And so many times in life, we let what other people do to us determine the people we're gonna be. Do you know what bitterness is? Bitterness is letting somebody control your life emotionally. When you are bitter towards somebody. You are holding on to hate in your heart, and you're still letting them control you by what they did. Now, I'm in a church where I see real life happen all the time. And I see people get some of the worst things done to them. And sometimes I, like them, feel, yeah, you have a right not to forgive. I remember being at one of our youth services, and two girls, two sisters, twins, coming up to me, saying, my uncle in my house right now is molesting me. Molesting both of us, they said. And so we called the police. We went to the house. We reported it. He was arrested. We went to the hospital. Could you imagine what that night was like for me? And then to watch those girls go through counseling and healing. But when Jesus says to forgive, it's not because of who they are. Forgiving isn't saying, oh, it's okay. It wasn't that big of a deal. 
No, forgiving is saying, I'm going to do what God commanded me to do because he said this is the best way for me to live. Forgiving is the way of taking the dagger of hurt out of your heart and putting it in God's hands. As long as you're bitter, you're allowing that chain of what they did to still be in their hands. And they can control you with that pain on the inside. But forgiving is saying, God, take out the chain, the bondage. Take out the arrow and the dagger and heal my heart. Where does healing come from in our hurts and our pains? It's by forgiving. Not saying it's okay. Not saying it wasn't a big deal. But just saying, I forgive you. I think about the parable that's being represented in this picture up here. Jesus said there was a man one time that worked for his boss. And I'll put it in modern day terms. He worked for his boss. And he went into debt. And he owed his boss a million dollars. He owed his boss a million dollars. He had been selling properties. We'll say he was working in a brokerage firm doing real estate. And he got in debt a million dollars. He went to his boss. He begged him. Jesus says he fell on his knees. And at this day... There were debtor jails. They were in Europe for quite some time and even amongst some of the early colonies here where if you owe debt, you would go to jail. That's how it was in Rome. So this man was begging his boss, saying, don't put me in jail over the million dollars of debt. Forgive me. Forgive me. And so finally the boss said, you know what? Because you have a family, because you have children, I'll forgive you. And then the story goes on. Jesus says he's walking home one day and he sees one of his friends that owes him just $10. And we could maybe assume it was just because they went to Applebee's together the other day. But he has this dude for $10. He, this guy owes him money. The Bible says he takes him and he shakes him violently, tries to almost like hold him upside down and get out the money. And says, where's my $10? Where's the money you owe me? And the guy says, sorry, I don't have it. I've been going, on, going through tough times right now. I, I can only feed my family. I'm sorry. He said, that's not good enough. I'm throwing you in the debtor's jail. And so Jesus says, this man took a dude who owed him $10 to the courts and said, put him in jail. And who was there was one of the servants from the boss that he worked for. And they went to the boss and said, hey, you remember the guy that you forgave a million dollar debt to? He's putting one of his friends in jail for $10. The boss said, bring him here. He then said to the guy, he said, I forgave you a million dollars. And you couldn't even forgive your friend $10. I'm not throwing you in jail for a long time. You know how that parable works out? As Jesus said, I've forgiven you more than you'll ever have to forgive, or forgive your enemies. Think about that. God forgives you a million times more every day of your life than you'll ever have to forgive that person. You might say, well, I'm not that bad of a person. How many lies have you told? Well, I don't tell that many. Let's say you just tell an average lie one day. Oh, you look good in that dress. I'll be at work at five. You just tell one lie on average a day, 365. How many years can you talk for? What about 60? My friends, you'll ask God for forgiveness 20,000 times, 30,000 times in your life just for lying. What about the adulterous heart and the looks of lust that you have towards another person? What about the times you lose your temper? What about the times you do things out of selfish ambition? What about the times you take the name's Lord, the, the, the Lord's name in vain? Think about how many times in this life the Lord forgives you. And yet you and I say, no, I can't forgive my dad. He wasn't there for me. I can't forgive this hideous person. No, Jesus says, you better forgive them because I've forgiven you of so much more. And then he went on to say further, he said, if you don't forgive. I won't forgive you. 
It's a principle in the kingdom, and we need to grow up and get it. You know, I think about the hardest times that we have forgiving, it usually has to do deal with relationships. Has anybody here ever been cheated on before? Has anybody here ever done the cheating before? Has anybody here just never been in a relationship before? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. So, you know, I think about this story as just a cute little thing, but it almost took me out of ministry. I was 24 years old, pastoring my first church, and I had met this really cute girl. She was in Bible college. I asked for uh, permission to be able to date her from her family and my pastor. And that's how we like to do it in church, to make sure there's no funny business. You know, we're not going to be like, you know, bum, 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 you know, like in the backseat of our, my Saturn or something at that time. And so we have a good relationship. We're keeping it holy, okay? And uh, she goes back to Bible college. And I'm starting to get real serious about her. And uh, I, I feel like, man, this is the one. I don't want to wait a whole lot of time to get married. I mean, let's do it. And so uh, I surprise her on her birthday. And I get a flight out there. And I talk to one of the family friends that she knew. And they were going to put me up. And they were going to help me buy a ring. Long story short, this weekend on her birthday, I was going to ask her to marry me. I show up, the people in her life just say to her, you've got a surprise visitor at the airport, so show up at such and such a time and you'll be surprised. I carried roses, because you know you can't put roses like in baggage claim, you know what I'm saying? I went on the plane with roses, flew from New Orleans to Minneapolis on the plane. And I'm talking to stewardess, and they're like, oh, what are you doing with that? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask this, my girlfriend to marry me. And they're like, oh, that's so cute. You're so adorable. You're bringing the roses. You know? And so then, I, you know, the plane lands, and I come out. I got the roses. But she just starts crying. And it's not like a good cry. It's like a dear God, why are you here cry? And then we get into the car, and she's just like shaking because she's so nervous. And she says, Joe, I've got something to tell you. While I've been here, I've been seeing somebody else. And I've been not wanting to tell you, but now that you're here, I've got to tell you. Dude, I cannot explain to you in words how angry I became at that moment. You might say, oh, but that was just puppy love. No, puppy love is real to the puppy. You look at suicide rates, 14-year-old girls hang themselves in their closet because they don't feel good. 80-year-old businessmen jump out of buildings because they lose a billion dollars. It doesn't matter. When you get depressed, it hits you so hard. Felt like somebody just wound up everything when I wasn't looking. It just punched me right in the gut. I was so angry on the inside. It's like, how could you do this to me? How could you choose somebody else over me? And I wasn't going to forgive because I was right and she was wrong. And I remember God coming to me saying, Joe, if you want to be a child of mine, you want to act like me, then you've got to forgive like me. And I said, but God, she did this to me. She had no right to do this to me. You know what? I don't deserve it. And you know what God did? Now, this may not work in every situation, but you know what God did? And I promise you, I never thought about this at this time. God said, how many times did you do that when you were high, when you were drunk, kissing on other girlfriends? I remember one time I was in a house party. The girl went to a bedroom with my friend that was her boyfriend. And we went, she pulled me into that bedroom. We did things we shouldn't have did. Well, her boyfriend, my friend, was in the same house. Now, it doesn't always work that way where you've done this to others. But God showed it to me so real. He says, I've already forgiven you for doing this so many times. You see, my friends, God forgives us all the time. The question is, are you going to forgive somebody else? The next thing that we need to grow in is giving. Somebody say giving. giving. 
Thank you. I don't want to keep you here all night, but I do want to ask us today to take up our offering at the end. The reason is, is because I want to challenge you guys to give in such a way that you can grow in your generosity, that your life can make a difference. And I want you to see this scripture when I can get this thing to stop tripping out. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, of chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Listen to the principle right here at the beginning, sowing and reaping. Everybody say sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Thank you. If the farmer goes to the field and puts five apple seed, I went to an apple orchard with my family this year, a pumpkin patch and all this was really cool on the suburbs. And we picked apples and pumpkins and all this. Just apple orchards everywhere, okay? If I had one apple and inside that apple I have nine seeds. If I plant nine seeds, am I going to get an orchard of a thousand apple trees the first day? No. But if I go out there with a thousand seeds, what can I expect? A thousand trees. That's the principle. You sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You sow generously, you're going to reap generously. This is Paul talking. He said, each one of you should give what you decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so you know what we see here? is the principle of generosity and stinginess is in your heart and it's between God. So for example, for me to give $10, you know, after eating a $100 meal, I was at a place and we had like $100 meals, a bunch of us there and I stopped picking up the tab. For me to give $10 as a tip, that's stingy. And, and a waitress or a server will say amen. Because that ain't my 20% isn't, isn't servers. Come on, no, we got some here. But that's stingy. Now, for somebody, they might be on the prom date, you know, and they're like, oh, I spent $100 on this mirror. Here's a $10 tip, young lady. Don't spend it all in one place. You see, God is looking at our heart. For some of you, to give $5 to missions is like a huge sacrifice because you feel it. For others of you, you'll spend $5 and not feel it. You see, generosity and stinginess is in the heart of the giver. You see, some people feel what they give, other people don't. What God is saying is, when you give and you're generous, you'll feel it. When you give and you're stingy, you don't feel it. It's all dependent upon where you are in your life, what the amount is. That's why I love about God that he sets a tithe. Because there may be somebody here, like I was talking to a woman last week when I was preaching, she said, how do you expect to grow a church with this many people? I said, well, our budget is 2,000 a month. I said, if I have 20 people working jobs, and they give a tithe, what does an average college student make? Well, they make around 1000 to 2000 a month, depending on how much they're working. Well, if they each give a tithe of $100, how many do I need to have 2000 20. Hello, somebody, how many? 20 college students working part-time, making 1000 a month, giving a $100 tithe to the Lord. See, that's why I love 10%, but then you might have somebody in a career. You might have somebody banking money, you know, and they're giving 800 $1,000 tithe a month. Why? Because they're making 8000 a month, 10000 a month. But you see, it's a sacrifice to each one. It's generous. And then the Bible says God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You see, God actually wants us to help every good work that we can possibly help. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Look at what it says in verse 9. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. When you circle missions on our offerings, you're scattering your gifts freely to the poor. 
you're saying I'm helping the poor, these four different nations that we personally support. Now verse 10, look at this, because some people are going, Pastor, I don't even have a job right now, this economy sucks. Let me just tell you about this economy right now, because I know it sucks, but there's probably some things y'all are missing right now. I want to help some of you out. Anybody ever heard of Modern Warfare 3? Anybody heard of that? Let me tell you about Modern Warfare 3. The first week it was out, sold $750 million with the product, the largest grand opening sale of any entertainment item ever. Outsold any first opening week of a musician, any opening week of a movie, any opening week of a book, all of it combined. Bam! It is over a billion dollars right now. Happened right now in the middle of a recession. Parents are getting it for their kids. We're not even thinking, right? Oh, well, it's not too much. Well, you know what? We're saying we're in recession, but we did that. You know that hangover to, hangover to, just a few weeks ago, maybe more than a couple months ago, was the number one top-selling radar movie of all times, Hangover 2, broke a box office record. Do you know that Avatar, coming out in the middle of the recession, sold over $2 million worth of tickets in over a year and a half's period? Do you know that right now, they said that this Black Friday was the largest Black Friday we've ever had? You see, as we keep complaining that we don't have money, somehow this nation keeps spending money. I remember watching my friends go through the recession. I had one of them I would go wakeboarding with. You know what he did? He bought a $100,000 mobile home and a $70,000 boat on top of his Lexus and cars and house along with what he had at his lake house, uh, his, his lake place business where he went. And I began to think to myself, now this is for Americans a hard time. For many of them, losing the boat and the wave aboarding, you know, and, and, the, uh, and the mobile home. And some of you may say, Pastor, I don't, I'm not that guy, but please listen to me. People still need jobs. I mean, people still need things to be made in this country. People are still hiring in this country. The question is, what are we doing with the money we have? Whose birthday is Christmas, by the way? I just want to know whose birthday is it? Yeah. Okay, how would you like it on your birthday? I show up and I give the PS3 to your best friend and just say, hey, dude, I just wanted to give him a birthday present on your birthday. But he's like, it's not my birthday, so I just wanted to do that. Why is it Jesus' birthday and we're giving everybody else presents? Why does the church struggle for finances in December? A lot of churches will tell you our tithes and offering plummets to the ground while we're celebrating Jesus' birthday. Because it doesn't make any sense. But now look at this for everybody who may have genuine struggles in life. Look at it, number 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You see, if you're here today, and I've been in this place, trust me, because I'm not rich, but I've been in this place where I say, God, I just wish I had more to give. I just wish I could give more right now. Because you know what? So many times we pray prayers like this. God, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. So many times we pray for us, me, myself, and I. When was the last time you said, God, I'm praying for a race so I can help Wicker Park stay in that cool place we meet every week. God, I'm praying for a job so I can help more people on the mission field. God said, I will supply you the seed to sow and the bread to give to the poor and increase your store of seed if you'll ask. He says he'll actually give to us when we get the heart of generosity. And then he says you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, you know, these are the leaders of the church, your generosity 
will result in thanksgiving to God. I'm going to tell you a story uh, that to me is the coolest story I've ever experienced in giving. His name was Steve Wilkes. And I was flying back from Minneapolis because had a girlfriend up there and some friends. And I was on the plane. It's this young pastor in New Orleans. And we still had to have money from our denomination to help us pay bills. And he was just there on his computer. His probably a computer like this. This was back in the... Uh, you know, the, like the late 90s, early 2000, and he was doing his little thing. And I just started talking to Mr. Wilkes. And I said, hey, man, where are you flying to? And he said, oh, you know, I'm flying to New Orleans. Got some business to do out there. And we started talking. Long story short, he said, you know, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. You know, I work in the inner city, and, and I, I work in nine different housing projects. We're the hot boys, Master PR, and I go out to Bourbon Street, and I help homeless kids, and I bring them into my house. And he said, Really? I said, yeah, I got a brochure to show it to you. So I always carried brochures, and I showed it to him right there on the plane. And all of a sudden, this, this businessman, this is not a lie, this businessman, never met him in my life, tear starts coming down his eyes. He said, man, I go to church, my wife and I love God, but my daughter, she is not serving the Lord right now. And I look at a young man like you, so on fire for God, I would give anything to see my daughter love Jesus like that. And I said, Mr. Wilkes, we'll pray right now. I said, let's pray for your daughter. What's her name? On the plane. I take her by the hand. I say, God, you know, you know Mr. Wilkes' daughter. You know what she's going through. God, I pray you to touch her, to help her, to heal her, bring her back home, God, like the prodigal daughter. God, let her love you. And we say amen. That was it. I then go about my business and one day I get an envelope from Mr. Wilkes. It's about $500. And I literally as a young pastor took that check around the office because I was getting my mail from the Bible college as I was starting this church. I literally took that check and ran. Somebody's helping me. I can finally eat now. Literally families that I knew from my hometown were sending me food to give out to the kids and all of these ministries we were doing. And I was having to eat that food. I lived in a $300 apartment in the inner city of New Orleans. And I said, oh my gosh, there is a God. There is a God. I like wrote him like this two-page thank you letter. Do you know that over the next two years he gave over $20,000 our ministry. Steve Wilkes, a guy I met on a plane and never saw again. Sometimes checks would come as large as five, six thousand dollars at a time. And he would say, Joe, you just keep going out there and helping people, man. He said, dude, I love your heart. You keep going out there and helping people. You see, generous people we all love them. The Bible says everybody loves a generous man and we all hate a stingy man. But the problem is there's not many people who want to be generous. You see, there's a lot of you that would say, yeah, I'd like to make six figures. I would like to have a good job. And I'm going to ask God to do it too so I can have the American dream. Yeah, but are you going to have a heart like Steve Wilkes? Are you going to have a heart like him? Or are you just going to be another greedy person like why we have all these problems right now? Or do you want to grow up and be generous and say, God, I may be a young person right now, but Lord, you can trust me with some enrichment, some seed, because I'm going to find a way to put it back into your kingdom. That's a good place to say amen if you believe in amen. Come on, somebody. You know you would be happy if you received some $20,000. Come on. How about this? Be generous and living. This is our last point today. And one of the most touching points that I can 
think of because I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what I did when I first pastored. Matthew 16, 24 through 27, then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. See, Jesus' life is not your way right away. Being a Christian and a disciple is not you doing this to what you can get out of this. Jesus made it real clear. You want to be my disciple, Peter? Then you've got to deny yourself. Throw away your day planner. Throw away your calendar. Throw away your Blackberry. You're on my schedule now. Take away your dreams, all your hopes, and let me put them back where they belong. Let me restructure your life. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up the cross. Follow me. Symbolically, to take up a cross means to take up death. The Christians of that day would be persecuted, some being burned alive. Verse 25, he says it so clearly. Listen to Jesus. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Generosity starts with you being generous to God. It's not saying, God, here's the wheelbarrow of all the junk in my life that I just don't want. Here's all the garage sale stuff that I just don't care anything about. No, when you give your life to Jesus, you put your dreams on the table. You put your family on the table. And you say, all of this that is the most important to me, it's yours now. Do with it what you want. I remember... Three years ago, I was trying to get a visa to go to Pakistan to visit our pastor out there. She met a pastor, Edward. He had to meet us in Nepal. And we need to pray for Pakistan right now. It is on the verge of setting off for us possibly a World War III. And trust me, they are no Iraq. They have hundreds of millions of people in nuclear warfare on their side and can really mess us up out there. We need to pray for peace in Pakistan about what's going on at the border. But I was trying to get into Pakistan as crazy as I am for Jesus. And I remember taking a walk. And I was taking my prayer walk. And I said, God, I'm a little afraid to go to Pakistan. But I'll go if you want me to go. But I'd really like for you to shut the door so I don't have to go. <laughs> and I started thinking about these beheading videos that I saw. Because I minister to Muslims. And one of my friends that helps me minister to Muslims says, you need to see these beheading videos. And, you, you know, I'm not one of the horror and stuff. And I wish I never would have saw them. Because this stuff is real. And you've got to be careful if you want to be crazy and look at it. But it just blew my mind. I was watching these beheadings and I was praying. And all of a sudden I said to God, I said, God, you know, come on, God. I got a wife now. I just had my second baby. I said, we got a beautiful house. I got a church. I said, God, wouldn't you want to send somebody else? You know what God said to me? He said, Joe, when you were 18 years old, I asked you to be a preacher. Did I tell you that I was going to make it easy and give you an American dream? Did I ever lie to you? I said, no, Jesus. And he said, what were you before I called you? And I said, God, I was a high school dropout. I was on drugs. Nobody loved me. I was disrespectful. I just, people didn't like me. And he said, if you would have died, where would you have gone? I said, God, did you know I would have gone to hell. I'm having this conversation walking with God. And he said, let me ask you a question. If you were in hell, would you have begged me to come out? And I was reminded of the story of the rich man that went to hell. He begged Jesus, let me out. You know, he was talking to Abraham, let me out, let me out. But it was too late. And I said, Jesus, I would have begged you. He said, what if I told you I'll let you out, but I will make you homeless the rest of your life. But you still done? I said, Jesus, this is as long as I wouldn't have been in hell. And he says, now let me ask you this. Why? After I've saved you, I've promised you heaven. I've given you a wife. I've given you two kids. I've let you see hundreds of people saved. Why are you telling me now you won't give me your life? These are the things I gave you. 
And I said, God, you got me. I made an idol out of my own life. I took the blessings that God gave me, and I made it an idol. And I said to God that day, I said, God, whatever it takes, I'll go. I praise the Lord that the visa was denied. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. I'm still here. But you know what? I was willing to go. And I just want to share this story in closing. Verse 26, it says, What good will it be to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul? Or what can man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. I want to encourage you today as we close out to be generous in forgiving. Don't let people dictate your life. Forgive people. Love people even though they don't deserve it because God did it for you and you didn't deserve it. And then I want to ask you today to be generous in your giving. Look at yourself as a funnel of blessing. God gives it to you to go through you. And lastly, be generous in your life. You only get one. I remember when I started out and I was working in these projects. This is the Kalio projects where Master P was from, C Murder, and all those guys that were big that time on that label No Limit. I knew the bodyguard for Master P. This was rocking New Orleans inner cities at this time. And I remember being out there doing our crusades, ministering to them. And I remember hearing gunshots go off and seeing mothers on drugs and kids that now still call me their father because I helped raise them and get them out. Joe from the Kalio. Went to the military, married happily with children now. And I remember being out there and I said, God, I'm a white boy from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I know I could die out here. And he said, but you're giving it. You're living to give. It's worth it. It's worth it. And I began to love going out to the neighborhoods where nothing would be given back to me in return. Where people wouldn't give me a high five. Many times they would curse me out because we were taking away the business. And working in projects like this for four years, by the time we were done, we were ministering up to a thousand a week in nine different neighborhoods. And I realized what it was like to give my life away. You see, I want to ask you, where's your Calio Projects? Where can you go and give your life away? There's a story of David Livingston. You know, the saying like this. Dr. Livingston, I presume, let me tell you the story behind that ancient saying from the 1800s. There was a man that grew up as a doctor, but his whole heart was to go and be in Africa one day. See, in the 1800s, Africa was a mystery. Many people did not go there. Nobody knew much about it. Safaris and all of these uh, uh, misunderstandings. Some of them thought that there were still dinosaurs even in Africa. And so this man grew up in England as a doctor, and he said, I want to go to Africa as a missionary and bring medicine and stop disease and so he met his wife and he goes out there to be a doctor and while he is out there his wife gets sick and she catches a disease that we don't have a cure for at that time so she has to go back and start to recover but he stays out there while his wife is sick and he goes to visit her and when he goes to visit her this time she sees him his skin is dark it's weathered by the sun, it's wrinkled. His, one of his eyes had been poked out when he was running through the night and hit a branch and it came out. His arm was limp when he had met a tiger in the jungle. So he comes in limping, one-eyed, dark skin, and he says to his wife, I'll be here by your side if I need to be. She said, no, David, your heart belongs in Africa. I'll be fine, go back to Africa. 
And so there he started under this tree, a mission movement. He started helping the poor and taking care of those in need. And eventually churches got developed. But then he himself, David Livingston, got sick. And there he was dying of the same disease his wife was. But they were finding out these cures for malaria, these jungle diseases. And they thought they had some antibiotics. And so through long time period of letters going back and forth, they finally had an a, a, a antibiotic for him. Because he wasn't going to leave. But they gave it to a reporter because at this time, to be out there in the jungle was like a hero. It was like an astronaut. He had gone to an unreached part of the world, an unexplored part of the world. So an atheist from the London Times, the biggest paper of that time, goes out to meet David Livingston with the medicine. But he's an atheist. He shows up and he sees David Livingston and he says that, says that famous sentence, Dr. Livingston, I presume. He was the only white man out there, what was left of his white skin. And he said, sir, I've got two things to tell you. Number one, you are a hero back at home and everybody loves you. But I don't. I'm an atheist. I just came to report on you. He said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe what you're doing for them is worth anything. I want you to know that, number one. Number two, here are the antibiotics that you have been asking for. And as David Livingston recovered from those antibiotics, this man followed him around, and he himself gave his heart to Jesus because of the lifestyle of dedication with David Livingston. He then wrote about him as a hero to the people as his heart was softened from atheism by watching somebody lay down their life for another. And as David Livingston was growing old, has given his whole life to this mission field, he would go from village to village and pray for these villagers and give them medicine. And one day he was so old and so tired, they picked him up by a stretcher and walked him through these villages. He said, I have to pray for them. I have to pray for Africa. And then when they brought him home, they said, David, you're tired. It's time to go to bed. You're old. We'll take care of the rest. He said, no, at least put me on my knees so I can pray for Africa. True story. They put Davidson, David Livingston on his knees and said, okay, David, you can pray for Africa. And they walk out of his hut. After a few moments, they don't hear him speaking anymore. And there, on his knees, he died. And this part may sound gross to you, but it's a true story. These African pastors that he had raised up over these 20 plus years on the African mission field say, we know we have to take his body back to England. We have to give him back there because they want to give him a proper burial. He is a hero to them. So they brought his body all through these jungles. They went through these weeks of traveling just to present his body to these officials so that they could honor him in England. But what they did may shock you, but it makes sense to them at that time. They said, before you take him, we must first cut out his heart. Because in our African village is a tradition that we take the heart of the warrior and bury it to the place where he died. Or we take it to the place that he died for his family. They said, you can have his body, but his heart belongs in Africa. And they took out his heart and they brought it back to the first tree that they had met him preaching under. And they buried it under there. And they said, David Livingston's heart will always belong in Africa. And the question I want to ask you today, friends, if you were to die today, where would they bury your heart? Where have you given all of your energy? Would they take it and bury it under your car 
and say, oh, yeah, he worked just to have a nice car, sweet car. Would they bury it under your house? Oh, yeah, just to have a sweet house. Would they bury it under your job because that's what you gave your life for? Or would they bury it in a place like Calio Projects or a place like Wicker Park or a place like Boys Town or Kathmandu, Nepal? Because you said, my heart is somewhere else than just where all this material stuff is. My heart is with people. Would you stand with me, please, in closing? Vanessa, would you come, please? Thank you for your attention today. Those of you who have come a little late, we welcome you. We had a ceremony in a time of praying. I'm going to continue to resume pastoring the Irving Park campus. And we have appointed Chris and Vanessa to continue pastoring here. So I'm going to ask you to support them. And we pray for the team. You can always find me at Metro Praise on Sundays and anytime on Facebook or by my phone number that's on everything you have here. So we love you. My wife and I love you. But I want to ask you a question today. Where would they bury your heart? What gift do you have to give this world? Where I think it needs to start for some of us today is it needs to start with forgiveness. You may have some people in your life today that you are just so angry at that you would say, you know what, I could never forgive them. They don't deserve it. I'm going to ask you just right now just to close your eyes with me. We're not going to embarrass anybody today. We're not calling anybody to the front. What I want you to do is just close your eyes and say these simple words with me to be able to say, Jesus, I forgive them. That's what you need to be able to start today by saying. Come on, I want you just right now just to think about somebody in your life that you may need to forgive. Come on, I want you to do it right now. I'm going to ask that you guys in the back would just respect this time. If you got the giggles, you can go out there and giggle. But we're going to pray in here right now. Some people got some serious stuff in their life that people have done to you. And you don't feel they deserve forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you something. They don't. What they did was hideous. What they did was wrong. And they don't deserve it. But because God said it's for your best, I'm going to ask you not to trust me, but to trust him and to forgive him. And when you are ready, these are the words you'll say. Jesus, I forgive my father. When you're ready, you say it. You don't need to tell me you're doing it. You do it between you and God today. Jesus, I forgive my mother. I'll never forget burying my sister and having her teenage son come to me saying, why did mommy die? And I said, she was drinking and driving. He said, why would she do that? Why would she leave me? And I said, you've got to forgive her. Can you imagine me telling a teenage kid about his mom died drinking and driving? Why did mommy leave me? Come on. He, he can say, she doesn't deserve it. She's dead. She's taken herself away from me. But you know what? The only way he could be healed in life is for him to trust God and to say, I take the dagger of pain out with forgiveness and I give it to you. I'll stop the broken record of my mind and my emotions that tell me over and over and over again to hate, 
to be bitter, I will forgive instead. I'm going to give you a few more moments, and if you need more time, we will pray for you today. But I do believe some of you are just ready right now. Just do it. Come on, I forgive. You may have to forgive a whole lot of people. That's okay. Come on, I had to forgive that girl that cheated on me, man. I had to say it, and when I did, I bawled like a baby. Jesus, help us to forgive. Next, I want to pray for those right now that you want to live a life that counts for more than dollars and cents and material stuff. If you're here right now and you would say, I just want to have an Africa to give my heart to. I want to have a place where I can make a difference. Would you just raise your hands right now? Because I just want to pray for some Steve Wilkes to raise up in this place. For some David Livingstons to raise up. For people to stop holding on to what they got but start learning to give. To change the world. When Steve Wilkes gave to me, man, I could change inner cities. I could help people. Come on, man, you've got to find a place to give your life to. Because of David Livingston and those first missionaries, today Africa is being won to the Lord by the millions. Three million a year are coming to the Lord on the continent of Africa. God, you see hands raised. Mine are raised, God. And now would you just say this with me? Just say, Jesus, make my life count, God. Give me a place to give it all away. Come on, now let them put something in your heart. Come on, let them put a place in your heart. And if he doesn't give it to you exactly today, he'll give it to you. I remember the first time he told me to pastor, the first time he told me to go to these inner cities, the first time he told me to come to Wicker Park. Come on, Lord, speak to your people. Give us a place, God. Oh, Lord, we can give it all away. We can give it all away, God. It's not about us, Lord. It's not about us. Give us the joy of giving. Give us the joy of giving. Hallelujah. I want to ask that our offering would be taken now and that ushers, you would come and get the envelopes. And then we'll have some time of prayer up here. You don't have to feel pressure to give. But I just want to ask you today, will you help change the world here in Wicker Park? I know some of you are praying, but could you kind of just open your eyes with me and see what I'm seeing right now? Would you just kind of look around and look at our friends that came out here tonight? Guys, this is only three months of work. Can you help us stay? Can you help us keep reaching lives? We need your help now. We really do. I'm going to be negotiating with our guy today. We got a month to make it happen here. We spent over 8000 to come to this community. And whenever you're ready, we're going to put up the offering right here. As a matter of fact, um, just put it right up on top of here. Because I want you to put it up here as a sign before God. Can I get these offering trays right here in these buckets? Because I want them to come forward. As we feel the Lord leading us today, just put it right up here. You know, all we need is one. Can you put this one back, please? Because what I want us to do today is I want us, as we give, to do it as a sign unto God. To be like God, today I'm giving you my best because you gave me your best. 
I'm just going to pray and give you a chance to meditate on what you would like to do for God today. Lord, we thank you, God, that uh, you brought us here today. And that because of you, Lord, we're able to give these generous gifts, God. I know that I can go out to a restaurant sometimes and I can spend, God, $20, $30 without even thinking about it. And God, I know we can give to video games and we can give to our clothes. And we can give to so many things. But Lord, we struggle sometimes giving to you. I pray today, God, that some people will help us today, Lord. So, Lord, we don't have to leave this place. With every head bowed, eyes closed, we're going to pray and dismiss. So I'm going to let you put this on the altar. We're going to have altar workers up here in just a moment, but I'm going to let them give as well. If you want to give online, you can. You want to give next week, you can. You don't ever want to come back, you can do whatever you want. I'm just telling you, Metro Praise, Wicker Park needs generosity today. And we're going to do this for the Lord in this house. God, I ask you to bless Wicker Park today. Bless every person here. You know what they need. You know what they're going through. And Lord, I pray that you make us generous. Not only here as we give, but as we go around the world to our jobs, to our communities, to the homeless person we see on the street, that will be generous. Altar workers, would you come? Those that have a gift in their hand, maybe it's not going to come today, but it's, it's in your heart. Would you just hold it or hold up your right hand? Just If you want to be a part of this prayer, just I want to pray a blessing for partners in this place today. Just raise up your right hand if you have it. God, I thank you. This is going to be my last service. We're handing it to Chris and Vanessa. The month of December is going to determine the future from this point on. And Lord, I thank you for committed givers. I thank you for generosity. And Lord, I pray now you use them to change the world. Let them continue, God, in doing what is good. And then, Lord, give them more. Give them more. God, when there's a chance for a raise, pick these. When there's a chance for a new business opportunity, choose these. God, favor your people because you did say when we give, it's given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Can everybody say amen? Amen. amen. God bless you. We love you. If you need prayer for anything, we're up here to pray. And if you want to give and be generous, put it right here today. May God bless you. we got plenty of time to hang out. Have a great night. Thank you.